Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling. Hey guys, welcome back to Jules. On the hustle. Did that sound a little different than usual? A little crisper in your ears? Well, I finally got a mic two years later. Two years too late, but guys, this sound quality is about to rock your world. (laughs) I hope everyone is having a nice, fresh start to their week. I know I am. I just started a Instagram page for this podcast. It's called Jewels on the Hustle Podcast. It is a hustler's zone. Guys, thanks to all of you. We have hustlers from all around the world. Shout out to Belgium, to the UK, to Australia, to India. I see you guys. I hear you guys. It is truly a community, and this Instagram platform is just a way for all of us to come together, to unite, to brainstorm, and to bounce ideas together. No hate, all love. We love each other and respect each other's opinions. It is a safe environment for all the hustlers to come together. And you know, my personal page was just not getting it done anymore. We needed a podcast specific page for all the hustlers to get together. So follow me on Jewels and the Hustle podcast on Instagram. Like it's about to change the world. Wow, guys. Okay, we have so much ground to cover. We have tons and tons of players, coaches, staff, support teams, all that good stuff, quarantining in Australia before the Australian Open. And there is just one word to describe what that scene is like. And it's an an S-H-I-T show. I I, I feel like I struggle when I want to curse. Like, I can't even spell it out. Like, I'm just so poopa. I can't do it. Can't do it. Anyway, it is an SHIT show over there. It really is. You got people that are respecting the safety protocols and realizing it's for the better of the country, better for the continent, uh, you know, a continent that barely has any cases right now. You know what that kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of you tell one friend a secret and no one else knows you know for a fact because you told your friend that secret and then if anyone else finds out that secret you know it was from that friend this is like you know basically this like no one basically has covid in australia so if things start to amp up you know it's the tennis players so uh, that was just my little comparison there little fun thing but yeah you got the players that are respecting the safety protocols and then the ones that just don't understand why quarantine is needed why it's so strict during a global pandemic why the rules are strictly enforced yes I'm looking at you Novak Djokovic I'm looking right at you he asked for the rules restrictions to be loosened and he just got a big fat no no so I mean, 
you you go on social media and you see all these players trying to get creative with you know training they're hitting tennis balls against the walls now all i can think about is wow this hotel is going to have to undergo some serious reconstruction there's going to be some massive dents and marks on these walls like i could just imagine you know some of the guys just getting so it's getting some massive cabin fever. They want to get out there and they're just, you know, banging up those walls. And when you put tennis players around four walls, you know, things are, uh, they're going to get wild. All right. So guys and ladies, they both played the qualifying of the Australian Open. The guys were in Doha, Qatar, and the girls were in Dubai. Both really nice sites. I played WTA events at both of those sites a couple of years back. Very beautiful. Very, it's a neutral site. Nothing crazy. No altitude. Relatively warm. Nothing insane. Um, so temps were fine. Not particularly windy. Although I would say Doha did have some breeze. So the reason why I'm pointing out these elements is because you want a quality site that is pretty neutral or at least similar to what you'd be seeing in the main draw, which is in Melbourne, obviously. If you had a qualifying site where, you know, it's really windy or the altitude was super high, like that wouldn't particularly, I'd say, be fair because it's just so different from the main draw site. So that was good. I think it was safe and a great way for players to, well, to eliminate a lot of players before having to go to Australia and quarantine and just put them through that whole entire process. So props to the WTA and ATP for arranging that with um, the United Emirates. And um, yeah, so really solid What I will say is a part of me is extremely envious because, listen, the qualifying of tournaments is very draining. You're playing three matches if you make it to the end, and then a day later, you have to play the main draw. This is huge. A lot of times, qualifiers can't make it to the end of a main draw because their body gets so tired and fatigued. All the matches, you know, you play three matches and then, you know, sometimes each match could be two, three hours. You're already on court for, you know, six hours at least before headed into the main draw. Your body already is a little sore. This is big. You know, players are stepping on court. They're fresh. The only disadvantage for qualifiers is, you know, in the past, they have those matches under their belt going into the main draw. They're catching players that haven't had any, like, matches in that tournament yet. So they have a little bit of an advantage, have more time on court. Their rust is shaken off. It will definitely be interesting to see what kind of impact this has on the qualifiers as they enter the main draw. Will their outcomes be different? Will they make it deeper in the draw? Will they all lose first round because they're not as, you know, warmed up or that momentum was kind of broken from that time? So it it will be cool to see. This might be one of the first times this has ever happened. 
it's just weird, you know, because they played the qualifying um, in the, the UAE, but then they have a warm-up tournament, and then they're going back to play the Australian Open. So it's just like two tournaments going on at once gets a little, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's just interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. I mean, nothing about COVID has been straightforward, so why would it start now, right? But... Another pressing topic is that some players, some coaches are in a strict two-week quarantine where they can't leave at all. And the reason being is some players, some coaches were exposed to COVID on their flight over to Australia. There are others that weren't, well, we don't know, but I guess they weren't exposed. And they get to leave the the, um, hotel five hours a day. Like, that is... That is the biggest difference in the world. To have five hours out. Like, it's so interesting. Tennis is one of the most draining sports. There, I can't think of any cardio, any workout that is equivalent to tennis. Tennis is definitely one of the hardest on the body physically. It's it's exhausting. I would always try to, you know, come up with a workout that is even close to how much tennis pushes me, like, on the court, like, a simple practice, but there is none. These players, I'm got, I, I can't tell you how much force I have bef- behind the words I'm saying right now. These players, guys, that have to stay in their room for two weeks without those five hours out, they will not be doing well in the Australian Open. Mark my words. Like, you heard it here first. There is... No chance they will do better than the players that got five hours a day. We're looking at you, Sophia Kennan, Maria Sakari. Look, these are uh, Sloan Stevens even. These are three players that had a great chance to go all the way. Sophia Kennan is defending an Australian Open, and she has to stay in her hotel room for two weeks. You heard it here first. She will not be defending her title. If I'm wrong, guys, I don't deserve to make another podcast episode ever again. I mean, I can't tell you how strongly I feel about this. There's just no way. I know I see Sakari. She has equipment in her room. Tennis Australia really hooked her up with some nice equipment, some weights. I see Coach Tom Hill has his Peloton They've got, you know, they've got great equipment. But, like, take it from someone that tried to stay in shape in, like, a little, like, New York City, like, room. Like, the little space you get in a hotel or an apartment or a house, that will never be the same or even similar to the workout you get on a tennis court. Like, so for me, when I'm watching the Australian Open this year, I'm not really going to be like, oh my gosh, who's going to win? Who's not going to win? I just like want to check these players out and make a list of the players that got two weeks off and then players that got five hours a day on court and see just like those slight differences mentally, physically. Will they be rustier? Will they be emotionally maybe more rested? Who knows? This is like a total first. So I'm going to have my eyes peeled to the TV. What do you guys think? This is crazy. Like 
so much more exciting than actually seeing like who wins the tournament and having a normal grand slam like this gosh this is weird what i just heard is these warm-up tournaments right before the australian open are thinking about making their draws smaller giving the players that don't have five hours of five hours a day to train some extra time out on the tennis court before the tournament like still that won't make a huge difference at all like they're gonna be rusty both physically and mentally out there but I mean the fact that the tournaments are giving them a chance to not only play the tournament but to have a little extra time is big, not for the warm-up tournament, but for the Australian Open. So that does make me feel a little better going into the Australian Open. I still do think that they'll have a huge disadvantage. Now, we've spoken about so many of the disadvantages. What about the advantages? Ashley, Barty, Nick Curios, these Australians that didn't go away to the UAE. They didn't play any tournaments in January and they didn't need to qualify for the Australian Open. So they, they honestly, you know, we talked about the impact that this will have on the qualifiers. What impact will this have on the Australians? that only had a three-day quarantine going into the Australian Open. Will they, you know, be more confident out there? Will they be more prepared and fresh and just sharpened because of all this? The thing about this 2021 Australian Open is it's not as much about the tennis as it is about who kind of can adapt quicker, who can deal with adversity better it's kind of like the survival of the fittest so that will be really cool to see how the Australians are able to go through the draw if they're able to do it better than usual or if it won't make much of an impact at all you know Australian summers are brutally hot I'll never forget this is a little fun story. I played the Junior Australian Open in 2012. It was in January, and it was right before I went to UVA, like, you know, six months before. And I was eating lunch with Taylor Townsend, who, by the way, is pregnant and about to have a child. That is wild. That really is wild. I never would have seen that coming, but congratulations to her and her future little cutie. But we were having lunch before I went on court to play my second round of the main draw. I had just actually beaten, I, I qualified three rounds and then I beat Donna Vekic in the first round. Second round, I had to play Storm Sanders. And I was waiting, there was a little delay, and I wanted to eat something. And when it comes to fried food, I am just so bad. Like, I love it so much. I've gotten better now, but I know, (laughs) just thinking back right now, I'm like such an amateur. I know that I should not be eating anything greasy or fried before a match, let alone during a tournament, let alone as an athlete. 
So the fact that I'm eating fried food is just the biggest joke ever. But I saw Taylor doing it, who I believe was like the number one seed of the tournament. So I said, you know, if she's doing it and she's like the best junior in the world, well, then why can't I? Oh my gosh, Julia, 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 Julia. That was not by far the smartest thing I had ever done. I got this fried chicken sandwich, had breaded chicken, lettuce, tomato, um, Russian dressing, cheese, gosh, calories on calories, but oh, so delicious. Back in the day, I could not really eat food before matches. I thought food was gross. I did not eat much. I was too nervous. Now I have absolutely no problem eating before matches. I don't, I get nervous, but not to the point where I can't eat. But something about this fried chicken sandwich and then seeing Taylor eating it, I was like, it should totally be fine before entering the court, which was like 110 degrees. Yeah, no big deal. The thing that felt cool was that my mom wasn't there in the cafeteria with me so I thought I could like pull a fast one and get that also um as with Taylor so I ate that and of course all of a sudden you know it was time for me to play the thing about grand slams and some other pro tournaments is that you go on court when the court before you finishes so you never really know exactly the time you're going to play, which is one of the biggest struggles actually for everything, for eating, for warming up. This is all you have to make guesstimates and just kind of be flexible. But there was no being flexible when you had a fried chicken sandwich in your stomach. So I was extremely nervous. I was playing Storm, who is an Australian. So the whole crowd was with her, of course. The sun was blazing. When you're on a hard court, too, it adds 20 degrees. So we're talking 130 degrees Fahrenheit on that court. Storm hits with a lot of topspin. She doesn't miss. So rallies were extremely long. Long story short, I threw up. I did not feel good at all. I got the trainer a few games in, and I was just not well. I was unwell. But anyway, I learned my lesson, and that's the story I wanted to tell to describe how hot Australia is and I guess just talk about how I made some poor eating decisions back in the day. And as an athlete, you just don't have that flexibility to make mistakes. You really don't. Gosh, I am so cringy. That was a really, really embarrassing story, guys. Don't judge me. I was young and dumb. You see, as an athlete, your young and dumbness comes from making bad food decisions. It doesn't really come from like drugs and alcohol when you're a high level athlete but uh so I guess in the grand scheme of things it's not the worst thing to be dumb about but I just I feel really guilty for it because of the timing and the setting like at the freaking Australian Open dumb but it is what it is I lived I learned more importantly will Serena surpass Margaret Court in Grand Slams. So this Grand Slam would just be to tie the record. 
again, like, we've discussed this over and over again. Like, I don't see it. I really don't. Well, you know what? Last year, I said I don't see it. I want to see Serena in 2021. She had a preseason. She is, you know, her daughter is getting older. It's not, being a mother is not brand new, obviously. She's setting in, I would think, you know, realizing that times are getting tougher for her. She's not winning as easily and effortlessly as she once did. And also with the pandemic, it really puts a lot in perspective. I do think pressure is off her now more than ever because people are expecting less and less from her. When you see when you see Serena Williams on the tennis court, you expect greatness, no doubt. But a part of me thinks that they've seen so much mediocre tennis from her lately. They think she's getting older. They think that she's just not where she once was. They're wondering when she's going to actually retire. So, I mean, between all these things, like a lot of pressure comes within, of course, but a lot of it also does come from the public, from the media, from the fans and expectations. So we don't know, obviously, what the percentages are of each Does she have more weight of pressure from the fans, the media, and the public, or from herself? So I think this Grand Slam will help us see that. There's no doubt that COVID has put everything in perspective, not only for her, but for everyone. I do think pressure has lessened. It will be interesting to see from her how she performs. If she does do well at a Grand Slam, I do think Australian Open is one of the the one she does better at, and then Wimbledon, of course. Those are her two comfortable Grand Slams, I'd say. U.S. Open is good as well. French Open, not as much. So she has a few shots, I'd say, this year. That's obviously if she stays healthy. But then whenever I think of Serena, I think of Roger Federer. Gosh, I'm so sad he's not playing this year. From what I heard, it doesn't seem like it's because of his injury. It's because of the quarantine protocols and his family and his wife and his children. There was just some complications there. I do miss seeing him play after seeing Novak out there. I don't know. I just, I, like, I respect how great of a player he is, but he's just not a legend, you know, he just doesn't he's not a fan favorite for the way he acts like Roger Federer he's got the full package between being a great player and the way he behaves on court is just it's like royalty it's like a god you know a tennis god out there I do hope we get to see him play more this year though because uh, it's been a while for our tennis fans and seeing greatness out there Before we wrap this episode up, I wanted to share with you guys something that has really helped me during COVID and kind of just being in quarantine away from friends, away from family. And of course, podcasting and FaceTime has or Zoom has made it wonderful for me to connect with, you know, people I care about, have those face-to-face conversations But the thing that has really, really, really helped me is meditation. 
This is not an ad, guys. I have an app called Relax Melodies, but there's also actually an app called Headspace. And if you have a Netflix subscription, they have a show called Headspace now where I think there's one season out and there's a few different um, meditation episodes. I can't tell you how much this has changed my life. Just taking 10 minutes of my day to focus on my breath and breathing and trying to be in the present moment. So I did some research on it and apparently when you're in a good head space, we are meditating, you're breathing, the like the blood in your brain kind of thickens and helps you think more clearly and make more rational decisions. So it is backed up by science and it is, you know, tremendously helpful and healthy. Secondly, if you're a New Yorker or in the United States or you know, if you have a winter season right now, you might be facing some difficulty because you're not seeing the sun enough, especially being indoors a lot. It's a real thing. I forget the technical term, but it's when you don't get to see enough sun. So not only do you lack vitamin D in the winter, but you lack seeing that nice light. So I went to Amazon and bought something called a happy light. They recommend to get that nice natural sunlight for 15 to 60 minutes a day. So sometimes I'm not even outside for that long. So this light, whether I'm like on the computer doing work or podcasting, that light, that natural sunlight shines in my face. It was like 30 bucks. I can't tell you guys how much that has helped me too. Mental health is a real thing. Meditation and this light have really made my winter season so much better than other se- like other um winter seasons. So I wanted to tell you guys about this and how it's really helped me to hopefully help you guys as well. Well, well, well guys, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. This was a solo episode, so hopefully I didn't say anything too controversial. Or I didn't bore you guys to death. But I promise we will have some awesome guests coming up. I am arranging them as we speak. Some tennis players. But then also next week we have a very, very exciting guest on the podcast. Not sure if I will release it next week. Because we might have a surprise tennis guest coming up before the Australian Open. But I will have them on the podcast within the next month. I guess I can tell you who it is. Ooh, I wasn't going to, but... So, have you guys heard of the Almost 30 podcast? Well, they are a top 50 podcast in the world. And they are coming to the Hustler's Zone. To Jeweled on the Hustler's <laughs> Did I really just say the Hustler's Zone? Oh, well, guys... I appreciate you guys liking me because uh, sometimes I question if I like myself. (laughs) But as always, I want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast, for, you know, giving me feedback, for engaging. Remember, we have a new Instagram platform for this podcast, Jewels on the Hustle podcast. Follow it. DM me. We will have, you know, contact. We will talk always posting pictures and videos about this podcast and stuff like that. So 
this is going to be a great new new era but other than that i hope everyone has a wonderful week and i will see you guys next monday Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling.